This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Finally, now that it is September 2019, we're going to get some closure on the 2018 election. Why did it take so long? Well, North Carolina is hosting two special elections on September 10th. For the purposes of this podcast, we're going to focus on the one in the 9th District. After the November 2018 election, Republican Mark Harris led Democrat Dan McCready by a little under 1,000 votes. But those results were thrown out uh, in part because of election fraud allegations that were tied to the Republican effort. That prompted this special election, which is now a battle of the Dans. Dan McCready is back, and he's running against Republican Dan Bishop. Simone Pathé has been down in that district quite a bit reporting, and Nathan Gonzalez of Inside Elections, Roll Call's elections analyst, has polled on the race. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, I'm, it's always, always a pleasure. So, Simone, let us uh, start real quick. Um, this uh, we're, we, we're finally going to find out what the results of the 2018 election are. Uh, I mean, th- this has been a long, strange trip, uh, as, as the Grateful Dead might say, uh, to, to get to this point. We have a different Republican running uh, than ran in, in November because Mark Harris uh, bowed out for after a, a trial <laughs> that uh, about these voter allegations or voter fraud allegations. And uh, and now we're finally going to get a result after like several starts and restarts. Uh, you were down there just a couple weeks ago. Uh, tell us what uh, what you found out uh, in in this uh, in your reporting? Yeah, so despite being the only really competitive federal election in 2019, there is this other race in North Carolina that we think is a little bit less competitive. Uh, you know, it's it's happening sort of in the middle of September, back to school time, so not getting a ton of attention. Uh, voters that I you know knocked on doors with with the candidates with they didn't necessarily know that an election was about to happen um, so that's why you're seeing an increasing air war in the district and um, with just a week to go now both sides trying to raise awareness that there's an election actually happening actually early voting has been going on since August 21st and and you uh, I mean you've, you've spent a couple of different trips down there you know just trying to sort of get the lay of the land there is, we should mention that this other election uh, that that is happening on September 10th in the third district uh, is is a is a regular special election <laughs> I guess is that the term <laughs> uh, Walter Jones the incumbent died earlier this year uh, and the, and this, uh, um, this there's a there's a contest between uh, Republican Greg Bishop and Democrat Alan... Uh, Alan Greg Murphy. Oh, uh, Greg Murphy, I apologize. And Alan Thomas. Alan Thomas, yes. Uh, and Clearly not getting as much attention as the <laughs> <Clearly>. <laughs> uh, Apologies there. Uh, it, it is. I, I mean, I was just so fascinated by the two Dans. Uh, so <laughs> so, so you've, you've traveled to both districts. There's a little bit of, you know, they, they sort of join up with one another at, at a certain point. But uh, describe... Describe the this, the ninth district, though, uh, in, in in particular, because it's it it's a pretty big one. I mean, and 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 the and this will get into some of the different messaging that the candidates have had to sort of try to to thread because they're appealing to a lot of different demographics. Yeah. So the district was changed in 2016 uh, when there was mid-cycle redistricting, and so it stretches from sort of the Charlotte suburbs in the west, where you've got a lot more affluent, well-educated voters 
These are the kinds of folks who Democrats think they can potentially pick off from Republicans, you know, people who might have voted Republican in the past but don't love President Donald Trump. Uh, And then it swings through a lot of pretty rural counties through the middle of the district. So you've got some super conservative Republican voters. And then as you go further east, you've got Native American and African-American voters um, who Democrats are really relying on to show up and vote. That's why you're hearing McCready on the trail, for example, talking about this having been a stolen election. That's something that you also hear um, clergy talking about in in churches, trying to motivate minority voters, especially who they feel their votes were discounted uh, when McCready didn't win last fall to actually turn up and, and sort of seek revenge, if you will. By voting, and and Nathan, this uh, th- this race has been so close. You've rated it as a toss up. Uh, it's also the very first inside elections poll that you've commissioned uh, in in your capacity as as political journalism mogul, uh, <laughs> Nathan Gonzalez. Uh, you yeah, t- t- let's talk about the poll because the results uh, were fairly uh, certainly a wake up call for people who who, who thought uh, a district that Donald Trump won by almost eleven points. Uh, would be this close. Let's talk about the results of the poll. Yeah, I mean, normally we have steered clear back when inside elections was the Rothenberg political report. Uh, We've definitely steered clear to polling because you sometimes end up defending a poll that you may not agree with the results. But I decided I decided it was this was a good idea. There's just a lack of data in the race, Mm -hmm. particularly public data. And I think it was uh, so I was interested in it and I thought it was an opportunity to see where see where the race stands and, and help others be more educated about it. Usually, so, yeah, usually we only get polls from the candidates themselves in these House races because they're, they're notoriously difficult to, to poll. And so but this is yours is a little different, though, right? Yeah. And we didn't commission. We commissioned the poll. We didn't conduct the poll. We uh, used a, a bipartisan team of Harper polling uh, Brock McClary on the Republican side and Clarity Campaign Labs on the Democratic side. Uh, and they came together. They they split the sample and they came together for the analysis. And and I was really, I'd say, not happy necessarily with the results, but how we did it because I think doing it bipartisan was a great way. Uh, the, we were in the field August 26th to 29th, so last week, Monday through Wednesday, and the initial ballot showed uh, Dan McCready, the Democrat, up 46-42, with two third-party candidates combining for three percent. And when you include leaners in that, uh, McCready was up 49-44. And that was a bit of a wake-up call because even any private or public data that's been out there, it's been either tied or within a point. So something showing four or five points was uh, was newsworthy. And the, I mean, the obviously the parties are paying attention to this very, very closely. I mean, the Democrats would obviously love to just pick up another seat, especially a, a Republican seat. Uh, the president will be down there uh, the, the day before the election, uh, stumping for Dan Bishop, uh, and the, and particularly the Republican uh, campaign committees and super PACs have really poured some money into this race because they, um, I mean, the, the the sort of signal that that would would send. Uh, I mean, the the Republican retreat, uh, the Republican House retreat is shortly after this election, Simone. I would imagine that if a Republican were to lose in a uh, Trump plus 11 district in North Carolina to a Democrat, that might spur a few more people who are maybe on the fence about retiring. (laughs) No? Absolutely. I mean, Republicans will tell you that all special elections are special, right? And that's kind of a line that both parties love to use to discount the symbolism of one particular election. And they're not wrong. The factors are obviously somewhat unique in terms of the attention 
attention and the spending that one race can receive when it is the only game in town. That being said, should Republicans lose a district that Trump did carry by double digits, even small double digits, is certainly not a good look for a party that is already struggling to retain incumbents. And one of the things I can already see, if if Bishop loses, if Republicans lose, or it's an extremely close race, there will be a myriad of excuses on the Republican side. One of them is that Bishop is getting pounded in fundraising. The McCready is just an extraordinarily better fundraiser. He's airing more ads as a candidate. But the reason why McCready is able to raise that money is because of President Trump. President Trump is uh, inspiring Democratic donors, continues to inspire Democratic donors while he's been in office. And and uh, the one distinction that Republicans will also make will is that McCready is not an incumbent member of Congress. He's not as easily tied to Washington and to some of the progressive or liberal new faces of the Democratic Party. But I just don't know that that's a big, big enough distinction. I don't see any good news for Republicans, whether they lose or even win this narrowly. And remember just how important North Carolina as a state is for 2020. I mean, Republicans are holding their convention in Charlotte. That's right outside this district. The state is host to a number of competitive House elections. It was last fall and will be again in 2020. Um, And you've got a high profile Senate race and certainly a presidential battleground as well. Right. Yeah. Trump didn't exactly run away with the state. I mean, it it resembles a lot of, um, you know, some of these battlegrounds states where in the cities it's not as competitive and then you know in the rural areas I mean it's it's also not competitive so this, these suburban districts like this become very important as bellwethers. And, and in our poll uh, McCready was ahead of Bishop getting getting the Dan's mixed up but uh, McCready was ahead of Bishop 69 to 27 in Mecklenburg County which is the Charlotte the suburban Charlotte area. Bishop was winning the more rural areas but not by the same margin that McCready was running up in the, in the suburbs, and I think that's where the President Trump factor comes in. And Simone, uh, part of your stories, uh, you know, that that, um, that are on RollCall.com, that you, you've written about the race from being there, um, you, you've noted that that Dan McCready is is not exactly, you know running as some sort of like, you know, progressive um, herald, you know, for, for the Democratic Party. I mean, he's talking about a lot of the issues that seem to work quite well for Democrats in 2018, uh, which, you know, like health care. Uh, talk about that a little bit, because obviously you can never ignore the president. Uh, he's the president, after all. Uh, but he seems to st- steer almost everything back to health care, health care, health care. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, it's all about health care. Uh, his biggest attack right now on Bishop is that he didn't vote for this piece of legislation that would have allowed pharmacists to discuss lower cost alternative drugs with patients. Um, Bishop argues that, you know, he voted for a similar version previously, but he didn't have time to read this one. And so he voted against it. But Democrats are just going all after him. My favorite excuse for not voting for something. (laughs) I I didn't do my homework. (laughs) I didn't didn't read the bill. (laughs) It's like not a great look. It's not not a lot of nuance there. (laughs) But he's being careful not to talk about uh, Medicare for all or, you know, adopt anything that you're hearing on the presidential debate stage, for example. Um, he's not going anywhere near impeachment. He thinks that it should be a process, you know, that plays out in congressional committees. Um, I asked him about Donald Trump being racist. Uh, he refused to take the bait on that. But you can hear what he tried to kind of explain how he thought that Trump was inciting some form of, of violence and intolerance. I think that his, you know, comments are... Uh are inciting, you know, hate and encouraging, you know, 
white nationalists and folks to be, you know, showing their faces in ways that we wouldn't have, have mm-hmm. you know, seen under a different president. Also, I mean, I, we should mention, too, that Bishop has a, a bit of a record, too, for which he is famous in, in North Carolina, at least, and that's as the, uh, the, the chief sponsor of North Carolina's bathroom bill, which has since been repealed. But talk a little bit about that, how he's, he's, he's using it in some, some ways, but not others, and it definitely doesn't want it to be the focus of his campaign at this point. Right. So interestingly, it's really not something that he talks about at all. It's not on a list of uh, conservative accomplishments on his website. Uh, his supporters don't even really talk about it. They just think it's common sense that you should use the bathroom that is assigned to your gender, and they don't even see it as an issue. And, and it wasn't just assigned to gender, but assigned to the, the, the gender you were uh, on your birth certificate. And this what led you know what ensued after this this bill was passed and signed into law was boycotts from the NCAA. I mean, from a number a host of businesses and so forth. Uh, North Carolina a couple of years afterward finally got the got the point and and repealed it uh, because they, you know they're not going to just jeopardize not having the final four in Charlotte of all places. Uh, but but some of the the damage was kind of done and this is this is basically McCready's baby. But he's not really talking about it much. Bishops. Or bishops. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, the more more Dan <laughs> Dan on Dan confusion. So he campaigned on it when he was running for re-election yes. to the legislature, but you can hear now how he talks about it, claims that it's really not a big part of, of his persona. Right. And it's even not a big part of the Democrats' uh, messaging in their ads. I mean, it was a big part of the rollout or when Bishop was rolling out his campaign, but Democrats are far more focused on health care um, than they are on, on the bathroom bill. Except when it comes to fundraising emails. Exactly. Right. It's <laughs> different and, audience, right? And, yes. Well, yeah, and as you point out, there are different audiences. When he's on the stump, right. um, when he's on television, uh, he, he's, he's a, trying to attract a different audience than, say, when he's trying to raise money from people who are typically identified as very loyal party people and may be more amenable to you know, the, the bathroom bill, if you will. Yeah, and I can already see, I've been doing this a little while, Jason, yeah, I mean, <laughs> how, I was going to say something. You're, you're, Bishop, you're really looking old these Bishop days. If Bishop loses, <laughs> if Bishop loses, it's probably going to be bathroom bill. Damn, Bishop loses when that's not that hasn't been a big part of it. It also will be well the 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 AOC squad argument the Republicans were trying to make didn't work, and that but that's been a smaller part of the Republican messaging compared to uh, they've been trying to label Dan McCready as Dan McGreedy. Based on because he's um, a successful businessman, apparently with the, right. you know, his solar his solar <laughs> solar solar energy company and this used you know, to and, get and you somewhere worked, in Republican circles, right? Yeah, if you ran a times, business, times have changed. Uh, but that's you know that was the, the thrust of the mm-hmm. messaging from a paid advertising standpoint. But that'll probably get lost, and it's just going to get uh, the the lessons learned from this election are are going to be are going to be complicated. Is McCready helped out a little bit by his background as a Marine also, Simone? I mean, Absolutely. This is, this is a military-friendly yeah. area. Fort yeah. Bragg uh, is in the district, and it's near Camp Lejeune. His slogan is country over party, um, and he returns to the military thing a lot, especially when folks are asking him about, um, you know, the hate in this country. I was down there right after some particularly contentious events in this country, um, immigration raids, et cetera. And so he got a lot of questions from folks about what was going on. And his refrain was always, you know, in the military, uh, we all work together. If no one asked where you were from, what religion you were, what party you were. Um, so he's definitely making that a big part of his appeal, especially to those uh, moderate Republican or independent voters. And I know some Democratic strategists have been frustrated that he hasn't leaned more into that background, that when you look at him and his ads and you look at how he dresses on the campaign trail, he looks like a typical politician instead of leaning into the, that military experience and background. 
I mean, this race is like again, every every special election is special, but this one seems extraordinarily special. Not just because it's it's a drag twenty eighteen into the twenty nineteen cycle, but uh, and President Trump interjecting lot. himself at the end is just going to heighten the attention. Right. We're paying attention to it now. A lot of people aren't. By next week, it's going to be the the topic, the race du jour. And I think both sides are expecting it to be super close, especially given the legacy of election fraud, not voter fraud. Careful distinction there um, in this race that, you know, they are staffing up in terms mm-hmm. of legal teams and prepared to fight this either way down to the wire. And even if it's an, uh, if Republicans explain it, it's an it's an anomaly, it still increases the number of seats they need to win in November of 2020 to 20, a 20 seat gain necessary for a majority if Bishop wins, it'll be back to a 19-seat majority or 19-seat gain that Republicans need uh, to get back. Well, uh, thank you very much for helping us break down uh, this, Simone. Thank you, Nathan, uh, for for polling. Uh, it's nice to have a poll. Uh, well, uh, we won't uh, be having Christmas bonuses at Inside <laughs> Elections, but I'm glad we had data in this race. <laughs> all right, thanks much. Chicago, New York, Detroit, and it's all on the same street. This is Jason Dick signing off from this podcast of Political Theater. Uh, If you would like to subscribe to this podcast, I would like that. I would certainly like that a lot. Uh, Please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, The important thing is please keep listening, and thank you for listening.